The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Don Bethanelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hello, hello. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well. So we promised you folks a while ago that uh, last, I think it might even be the last time we were all three together, because it's been a while. Yep. But uh, we were going to do the uh, iPhone versus Android cage match. <laughs> and, Let's get ready to rumble. rumble. <laughs> Actually, I think that might be copyrighted, that phrase. So we have to be careful Oops. not to use it in our... I mean, it's okay to say it, but... Uh, so, I know what you mean. But we, uh, the thing that prompted it to, us to do it this time is we got an email early, earlier this week from a listener who said, uh, who asked, hey, you know, I'm I'm trying to decide whether to buy an iPhone or an Android phone and... I don't know how to decide. And, you know, can you guys ever talk about that sometime about the difference? And I said, hey, I've got the perfect uh, pair of people coming on the show this week uh, to talk about it. And so I said, we'll do that this very week. That's responsiveness and podcasting for you folks. So so Ooh. this is what we're going to do is uh, we're going to talk about the iPhone and Android debate. And it's still a healthy debate all these years later. There's still uh, uh, things to talk about. Uh, and we're going to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of each platform, each phone, uh, in a way that will help you make a choice. But, Father Corey, you said something before we got started that that's very important to remember right up front about the choice between phones. Right. You know, ultimately, both Android and iOS will do what the vast majority of iPhone, uh, smartphone users want. Both of them will do it exactly the same. They'll both surf the internet just the same. They'll both check email just the same. Calendar and contacts and apps. Matter of fact, a lot of the apps are on both phones and work the same. You know, so it, it's as much personal preference as it is, you know, whether one's phone is superior to the other, ultimately, for most of us. Right, right. Well, there are a lot of other elements that go into then the, making the distinction between the two phones. Uh, and and that's what we're going to cover in our discussion. Uh, but the other thing is, is, you know, some people say, well, why do I have to make a choice? Like, why don't I just buy whatever phone is cheapest right now? And the thing to keep in mind with that is uh, when you buy a phone, you are making a decision that will potentially impact your future usage. In other words, it it's 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 possible to switch from iPhone to Android or Android to iPhone, but it's not the easiest thing in the world. So so, so making the choice is sort of a a bit of a lock in, not a permanent lock in, but it it raises a a barrier for future choice. So, well, that's that's actually what happened to me because when I first got when I got my first Android phone, um, I was on the BlackBerry world, and of course, BlackBerry was was the Titanic at that point. It was a sinking <laughs> ship yes. very rapidly, and so I dropped my broke my and uh, my i uh, BlackBerry. And it was just when I think the iPhone 4 came out and it hadn't yet come to Verizon, though. Like the iPhone 4 came out for AT&T and the Verizon was a couple of months later. Well, I needed a phone then. So I went with the then top of the line Android phone and have been Android ever since. Because like you said, Dom, 
you, you get into that infrastructure, you start spending money, you start using their tools, and it kind of locks you in. Mm-hmm. And I, my husband and I had started with the iPhone. Interestingly enough, we had gone to Verizon. We were Verizon customers. We were going to buy a BlackBerry. And they couldn't give us a really good deal. They, they were, it was some outrageous price for two Blackberries in the plan. So we walked across to the AT&T store and looked at the iPhones and said, okay, you'll give us a deal. And my, my husband, ever the businessman, yes, fine, <laughs> here it is. And that's how we got stuck with AT&T for five years uh, <laughs> and then got out of that, uh, but stayed with the iPhone and then got into the whole Apple universe it sucked us right into the black hole oh interesting so you were not an apple person before the iphone absolutely not i was not because i'd been using uh windows machines so it wasn't you know i was used to that once i got into the apple ecosystem it was like where have you been all my life (laughs) and i think be because i was older at the time and and i could see that i could get things done quicker and faster without so much jerry-rigging in windows so it just sucked me right in and we'll we'll come back to that too because that's an important point but uh but let's let's start i want to start with uh pricing uh and mm-hmm. <laughs> this may be the 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 one that really sets the the tone but but i think less so this is perception that android phones are, are cost less than iphones that iphones are premium phones for uh you know only the the the, the wealthiest so Joanne, what what's the what what is your answer to that? And then we'll talk about the Android phone pricing second. But Joanne, what do you say to this idea that uh, iPhones are expensive? Well, notwithstanding the failed foldable nineteen ninety nine Samsung, um, <laughs> <laughs> the top you have to admit the top end of the iPhones are fourteen. You know, it's fourteen ninety nine for the top of the line five twelve gig uh, iPhone ten S Max. I don't have that type of money. And I'm also concerned about folks my age and a little older who have been in the Apple ecosystem who are finding out that it's kind of hard. You know, the phones are getting more expensive. But the good news is that you can always look at the previous models. You don't have to have the best and the brightest. My, I have an iPhone 8 Plus. And other than the fact that it's heavy, and that's the only thing I don't like about it, is that it weighs more. Um, you right now you could get one all tricked out at five twelve for eight forty nine. I I look at staying under a thousand dollars for a phone. I think is reasonable as long as you keep it two to three years. There are, and in fact, Apple has iPhones that go all the way down to the iPhone seven thirty two gig for uh, what is that four forty nine? Yep, right four forty nine is the seven, and I've actually gotten a couple of people and told them buy the seven. Because they were coming off of the the small five, and they didn't want the big plus. So I said, well, get a seven. Uh, it's light. It'll still fit in your pocket. And it depends on what you use it for. I think Apple right now runs the gamut. If you want to spend $1,500, God love you, more power to you. If you want to spend 449 you can still find it. Father Corey, what about on the Android side? There is this perception that there are many, many, you know, very inexpensive, you know, under $100 even Android phones. Yeah, you you can get Android phones under $100. Now, are they going to work well? <laughs> Again, depends on what you use it for. 
you know, again, if all you need is a basic smartphone that's going to get your email and your texts and make phone calls and you're not going to push the phone anywhere, yeah, you'll be fine. It might not be the fastest. It might not respond the way you like, but it'll work. Now, it's interesting, though, because, you know, you mentioned the 449 for the 7, which three years old phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Google just came out with the Pixel 3a, which is a brand new phone. It's not the top line processor. It's it's like the next step down. It's like, you know, uh, for those who are familiar with Intel, you got like the i7, the i5. Well, this is the i5 equivalent processor for smartphones. $400. And the reviews I've been seeing on it, it just came out in the last month. The reviews I've been seeing on it are just amazing that this is every, you know, this is no, it's not the flagship phone. No, it's not a thousand dollar phone, but it will work just as well. Yeah, it, it's missing like a few of features like wireless charging, but wireless charging, it's it doesn't have as high a rating for waterproofing. Right. Um, the camera the is camera, not qu- it's not quite as good, but it's still really good. I right? think it's I think it's similar camera to my original pixel. When my original pixel came out, there was nothing that matched it. And there's still not a lot out there that matches it, you know, so that's I think that's one of the biggest advantages of Android is if you've got a price point, you can find a brand new phone that will match that price point. Not a not a three year old phone like the iPhone seven, but a brand new phone. Now, again, the more you pay, the better the features you. Yeah, you you get the latest iPhone or excuse me, Pixel three XL for a thousand dollars. You're going to have a top line phone with lots of storage and a beautiful display and wireless charging, all this good stuff. And you'll be paying for it at twenty five dollars a month for the next three years. So it's it's what you're willing to pay. And there are other that's the other thing is the variety of phones that are available. You know, you have your Samsung, your Huawei, your LG. I mean, you have all of these different brands who populate the whole gamut from, you know, inexpensive all the way up to. The same price point. Let's be honest. They 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 all go all the way up to the same price point as Apple does. Uh, fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. And it's again, you pay that fifteen hundred dollars, you're gonna have an incredible phone. You're gonna have a phone that I think it can walk itself. You know, <laughs> at that point, right? You know, like take the dog out for a walk, your phone can do it. But it's what you're willing to pay for, and that uh, that that's one of the. Then my opinion, that's one of the biggest advantages of Android is. If you want the features, they're there. If you don't want the features, you can get a phone that don't have those features. And that's one of the other points I wanted to mention was just the variety of of, of models available. But is that sometimes a, a and Joanne, I'll throw this to you because as an iPhone user, is it sometimes an advantage that Apple has fewer to choose from? Uh, paradoxically, is that an, the way an Apple user might think that it's easier to make a choice because there's only three phones available every year? I don't think that's the case anymore. If you look at the Apple site, you see them all lined up and but they're new still showing. Yeah. Well, even, they're still show. You can still get a brand new seven. Right. I mean, it's not used. It's not refurbished. Um, but it's so not the newest, a, not the newest tech necessarily for someone who's say looking for the best camera or the. No, but again, I think it's because I, th- I think it's how you want to use it. Some people want, as much storage as they can get. They don't care about um, Qi charging, which is the wireless charging, and um, but they want a really good camera. So they're going to steer themselves in the direction probably. I mean, I have a dual camera on the 8 Plus. So if you're looking for a dual camera that, will, that takes really good pictures, or you might still want 
the the home button because the top tier models don't have the home button anymore. And for me, I still like that button. To me, I need a tactile. I'm not sure the face recognition in my car. Now, I don't drive and text at the same time, <laughs> but I don't think if I look at it to check on something, it's going to open itself up. Like if I need the um, if I need the map. Yeah, mine you does. Know, just, just it does. Yeah, I mean, mine on the, my desk is constantly unlocking on, on me. So I'll, I'll say I think that there is a little bit of an advantage in that there's a much more limited universe of iPhones that you can choose from, even when you go from the seven to the XS Max, which is a you know an interesting name, <laughs> the excessive phone. <laughs> but, yeah. But there's a limited universe. Whereas I I have heard from people that and Father Craig, maybe you can answer this that sometimes it's overwhelming the 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 choices available. I mean, it's it's sort of a nice problem to have that you have yeah. so much choice. Well, and it, it can be, I think. Now, to be fair, most people, especially if they're coming into smartphones for the first time, this year, their first smartphone or first serious smartphone, they're going to go to the Verizon store. They're going to go to the AT&T store. They're going to go to the, you know, go to uh, the blue box store or whatever. And they're going to basically get guided to one or two phones. You know, if you want, if you want to do iOS, here's your choices. If you want Android, here's a couple of choices at your price point. You know, they're not going to sit there because they're not going to have, there are phones. I mean, there are literally hundreds of new Android phones that come out each year, but some of them, they don't come to the United States. Some of them, you'll only find them in India. Some of them, you only find in China. Some of them, you only find in Europe. Some of them you only find in the United States. And, and some of them you only can buy like on Amazon Unlocked or these other ways that most people aren't going to do. You know, and, and that's and admittedly, I think that's one of the things that Google is trying to do with the Pixel line is try to say, OK, yes, you've got Samsung and LG and HTC and Huawei and all these other phone companies. But if you want real Android, you get the Pixel, which is, by the way, why I bought the Pixel, the original Pixel when it first came out, because it is unadulterated android it doesn't have the samsung loader slapped on top which is a weakness of android that's what confuses me about android okay that you can have different almost different android systems with different layers of crust on the top um and it, and you can also be back to like the earliest androids if your carrier doesn't push the update through, correct? Both the carrier and the manufacturer sometimes right. are the yes. limiting factor on whether you can get the latest. And and that is that is one of the great weaknesses of Android outside of, again, like the Pixel line. You know, the Pixel line is when Google releases a patch, the Pixel line gets it before anybody else. Now, we discussed this last week on, on Secrets of Tech, which uh, was the Google I.O. Google said that they're going to... Uh, try to start pushing some of these security updates, slipstreaming them in so that you don't have to wait for the carriers and the manufacturers to approve them. But that's all still in the future and sort of up in the air. So it's hard to make the buying choice based on that. Yeah. And they've been working on that for the last couple of releases of Android, of, of developing Android in such a way that Samsung can do whatever it wants with the front end. It can do whatever it wants, how it looks and how it sounds and how it, you know, what it does when you drop it from the floor or whatever else. But the base underlying Android is always going to be the same, you know. So when they do a security patch, it's always going to patch. And the even in, on Android, uh, even things like where preferences are and the different options and all that sort of stuff 
can be different from from manufacturer to manufacturer. Yes. So that's something to keep in mind is whereas on on the iPhone, there's a unity, pretty much a unity of experience. If one iPhone is pretty much like another in in iOS, how iOS works. Pretty much. Yep. So I would say so on price, uh, does, even though Apple does cover the gamut, say from 450 up to 1500 probably android has the greater the, the greater breadth of price they go they go less expensive and more expensive as we've seen way the, more expensive the yeah but but the or even the red phone and some of these other really kind of wacky specialty phones that nobody's in who listens to us is going to buy but but the fact is i think android has the edge on on the pricing factor uh, although the for the phones that most people are going to buy you could still get an iphone for variety, it's clearly Android has the uh, advantage there. The just the sheer variety of options. Uh, but let's talk about the app ecosystem. So uh, the variety and quality of of the apps you can get on your phone. Uh, Joanne, what do you, what what do you think about the the iOS the app store for iPhone uh, and the quality of the apps that you get there? So far, I've been happy with the quality, and it's because they're pretty much all vetted and checked, you know, for con crazy content or, you know, stray viruses. Although my husband swears he has a virus on his phone. I just think it's user, <laughs> user error. <laughs> right, right. But, um, and many of them get retrofitted, too. So if I have it on my iPhone, I can also have it on my iPad whether it's in right straight iPad version or your two times. So I kind of like that versatility, but I've been very happy. I've, I've gotten a lot of really super apps. And, and again, they also, even some of the apps that I have cross platform. So it's not like I'm, I'm just like in the little wall of Apple apps. I use Evernote constantly, which is a note taking system that goes across everything. So that if I ever wanted to switch, I could change. But if you're coming from Android to Apple and you don't, you may not be able to find that app or vice, sometimes vice versa. I like my walled garden. <laughs> Father Curry, what about you? And we'll talk about security and privacy aspects next. But what about you as far as the, the, the app ecosystem on Google and on the Android phones? This is something where I think Android has made great improvements over the last couple of years is most apps have both versions. Now, this, you know, again, I, and I'm talking as an overarching, the major apps you're going to look at, whether it is your, your social networking apps, your um, things like Microsoft Office apps, your, you know, any, any of all the, you know, the, these major apps that people are using. We're not talking about some little game some guy made in his garage, in a, you know, in an, uh, over a weekend. You know, we're talking, you know, the, the major apps that the vast majority of people are going to use. Now, there are issues with security and privacy. And like you said, we'll talk about that here in a minute. One thing I think that is, you know, that of course, you've got the whole walled garden of iOS. Android doesn't have that. And that's how you can have phones like the Amazon Fire is an Android device under its shell. So they can load, they can take Android, any manufacturer can take Android and put their own app store on it you know they don't have to use google's app store now there are certain requirements they must meet if you want to use google's stuff including the app store but any you know like and that's what amazon did they put their own app store on it 
Uh, you can sideload apps much, much, much easier on Android, where if there's you know some reason that this particular app is not available on the, the Google store, it can be very easily slid on. Yeah, but I think in I think in Apple at least there's somebody there taking a look at these apps. If Google is doing some of that, but it's not to the level. Yeah, I hear it's more the wild, wild west. Well, well, so you have the Google Play Store, which is a, which is more curated. Then you have other Android app sources online, and then people can just download and side. You know, and they call it side loading, which is an individual putting an app on their phone by themselves and not through any intermediary. Uh, and those are a little more uh, sketchy, shall we say? But even even with the I O the iOS app store, some things have occasionally slipped through that were not uh, that that Apple then had to pull back later, or it turns out. And this and there's a lot of shovelware in the in the iOS app store. Now, Apple's been trying to get better at that, but there's a lot. If you dig in some of these categories, there's a lot of like you know free movie converter uh, with two ninety nine in app purchase to, where for doing things that you don't need to do. So a lot of there's a lot of junk that you have to wade through and the app store itself has been getting better at search, but has never really been good at search. Whereas search is literally Google's name. True. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, and you talk about side loading, you know, for example, you can take the, the, if you don't want to use Google's app store, if you don't want to use Google play store, you can get Andrew, uh, uh, Amazon's, their store, their app store, and load it. I've got it on my my phone because there are a couple apps that are available for from Amazon that are not available from Google because of course they're Amazon. It's like Google, or at least it, I don't know if it is available now or not. But it, for a long time, you couldn't get Play Video, Amazon uh, Prime Video. You couldn't get that app from Google. You had to get it from Amazon. You know, so things like that. One thing that does come up with the uh, the iOS uh, store is. Because of Apple's rules concerning uh, its thirty percent cut, it takes a thirty percent cut of transactions. That has somehow that has in some cases made things less convenient. So, for example, with Amazon, if I want to buy a book, I have it has to route me to uh, a web page to buy a, a, a an ebook. I can't just buy the ebook from within the Kindle app or from uh, the Comicsology was another one. A lot of people talked about where you can't buy a, a comic book through it. And Netflix recently uh, got rid of its in-app subscription because it was giving a billion some odd dollars a year to Apple for the, because of that 30%, whereas Google doesn't take that cut. So there's, there's that, um, that interesting difference. So I, I would say there, it's, I think that's a wash on the app ecosystem, just on the, on the ecosystem itself between the two. I think there are uh, the advantages and disadvantages on both sides are about equal. I, I, I might, is, is it arbitrary on that? But let's talk about we we kind of touched on the security and privacy aspect a little bit, which is, uh, you know, the Apple scans every app before it goes on, uh, you know, into the App Store for viruses and stuff. But Google doesn't do that, right, Father Corey? Does it? I'm not sure. I I, I know they this is something they've been working on, but I don't know how. How much they are fairly quick that as soon as a problem is found, it's gone, you know, that but whether or not it actually gets looked at before it actually gets uploaded to the store that I do not know. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't, to be honest with you, um, but it is something they've, they've been starting to actually realize is a real problem 
for security. And that wouldn't cover the third-party app stores or side-loading and that sort of stuff? Correct. Right. Which is why you have virus scanners and that sort of thing and, and malware scanners. So, so are there other security aspects, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Joanne? Let's let's go, let's go with the uh, the uh, iPhone first. What what about the, what security aspects to the iPhone would you highlight? I like the fact that we have the opportunity to click on folks and say, "I do not want to be bothered with you." You can block, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love my blocking, and I love the whole thing with the passwords. Now, I think that's a wonderful, if you don't have a password manager, you're able to use their passwords. And the one thing about Apple is that they do not, they may gather all this information and they're very big about yelling about this, but they don't give it to anybody. And we cannot say that about Google. Google's business is to get information and then use it and then pass it along where Apple doesn't do that. And if I ever catch them doing that, that's, <laughs> I'll have to reconsider everything. But I like that fact. I like to be able to know that even, and that probably that's why Siri doesn't work so well, because she's, because <laughs> she's in a walled garden. But I prefer that over, I get a little nervous when I'm even on my Google browser and all of a sudden it's throwing things at me and I'm like, ah, oh, wait a minute. How do you know I do that? And gee, you're a little nosy about this. but. I like being in the Apple system because of that. Father Corey, how about on the Google side, the Android side, the aspects of privacy and security? Right. And, you know, and of course, that's kind of a big issue right now. To, to be fair, though, Apple didn't always have the most stellar reputation about this either. It's only in the last few years they've started to take it more seriously. And I, I do think Google does as well. Now, it, of course, it, it, Google's in a tough part, though, because they want to make it so that when you're using any Google device, Google app, Google browser, that it's customized for you, that when you see advertising, yes, you're seeing advertising, but it's advertising for things that you're actually going to be interested in. You know, I don't need to see advertising for certain medication that I as a priest should not be using. (laughs) I don't need to be seeing advertising for, for women's clothing. I don't, you know, stuff like that. So I appreciate to some extent that like when I pull up my like right now, I I pull up the the Google screen and the first thing on here is Star Trek Picard's first teaser hints at John Luke's tragic place in Starfleet history. Wait, there's a teaser trailer. (laughs) Yes. Pause everything. No, just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) But that's something I'm interested in. That's what I want to see Google to tell have Google tell me about. I don't want to tell me you're not going to believe what these kids did next. Right. I don't care about that, you know? So there, there seems to be this balance, in the, at least in the privacy section. We'll talk about security in a second. But this, this balance between um, privacy and capability, the more capability you expect out of the phone, whether it's from the, the voice assistant, we'll get to that as another feature, uh, or things that they do with photos or other things, there's the stuff you know, it's either happens in the phone itself, which is the most private and secure, which is a- Apple's a- approach, or it happens, It's it puts it up on a server in the cloud and does it there where those computers are massive and can do much more, but it's less private, potentially private. 
Right. And I think I like the fact that, and, and I always tell older people this when I'm helping them with their, their new phones, is that you need to go into location services and you need to check the things you want that you always want to have it know where you are and the others just say no. Certain apps I mean, need to know where you are, like maps mm-hmm. and that sort of yes. stuff. And certain apps don't, like, you no, know, they don't. We- Weird, uh, you know, like uh, shopping apps. Why do you need to know my location? Or or even sometimes I, I worry about giving Facebook that ability to yeah. know where I am. Well, just even random web pages. I love it when you go to a random web page, whether it's on your desktop or on your phone. So-and-so app wants, or so-and-so web page wants to know your location. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's that. So the privacy aspect, I mean, I, I think... Apple has really put a stake in the ground and said, we are, we are the privacy ba- brand and they're going to live or die by that. Whereas Google, ha- its business model, its very way of being uh, is less so. It's just necessarily less so. But they're, but they're putting a stake in the ground saying, uh, we're, we're going to, we, we think your privacy is important, but we also want to balance that against the ability to give you these wonderful features that we've dreamed up. Because the idea is if you're logged into your Google account, whether it is on your laptop, your desktop, your Chromebook, your smartphone, your whatever, you'll get the same information across all of it because it knows what you're looking for. And that can be good, but that in it, there can be risk with that. You know, like you mentioned, Joanne, you know, selling it. Now, yes. Google got in trouble or not so much got in trouble, but got a little bit of heat because they were using their data, admittedly anonymized. It wasn't like they said, Joanne Mercier did this, Dom did this, Father Corey did that. No, it's anonymized, but they were selling that to marketing organizations for the purposes of developing more personalized ads and so on. So, uh, And I, I do like that in, uh, in, on the iOS, but you have to kind of know that these things are there. You have to, someone has to show you them, that there are ways to, to turn off third-party tracking. And there's a lot of these, these, these features in there to kind of, lock yourself down a lot more. So I do like that. So uh, we could go on about the security and privacy aspects. There's, there's a lot there to talk about, but I do want to keep things moving and talk about uh, the next thing, which is the probably the one thing people use their phones for more than anything else, including phone calls, is a <laughs> Wait, camera. Phone, these phones can make phone calls? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, we should call them our smart cameras because that's what most people use them for is the camera. So... Uh, where where are we in the camera arms race? Now, last week when I we were talking about uh, Google I.O., uh, both Jack and Thomas were, were saying that uh, that Android is good, but there's there's a problem with sometimes the software and how it works with the, the hardware and that it's not as responsive as they'd hoped. And uh, it's a bit buggy a, a lot. Father Craig, is, is Google improved? I mean, how is the Android camera experience for you see i i don't have too many problems with it i have noticed once in a while of course again i'm I'm running on a phone that's almost three years old so you know that kind of colors it a little bit but i've you know by and large when i want to take a picture it takes a picture and it does a pretty good job um you know of course it's got the built-in hdr features like ios does as well and i think it takes again even on my older phone takes just really good photos usually and again occasionally you can have a glitch i'll i'll agree with that i've occasionally i've had i've had to retake a photo because it didn't quite 
take it right or it delayed just long enough for me to go okay it took it right click nope <laughs> uh, the one of the things I, I like with especially google but others in the android ecosystem have they have these wide angle lenses for like whether selfie lenses i've tried to take I have a big family. I have a big Catholic family and trying to get all the kids and my wife and I in one photo, I need an arm that's longer. And I, God help me, I will never own a selfie stick. It's just not something I'm ever going to do. So I would at least, I want Apple to finally get on the band and have the wide angle front facing lens. But there's some of the things like that, the night shot on Google. Uh, I mean, that, that looks amazing. Uh, but, but Joanne on Apple, we've got the, uh, the depth camera. They, they came up, they were the first to, to with the depth camera and uh, you know, portrait mode and, some other things. What do you think? I mean, looking at photos. I'm well, I'm probably I have to admit, I'm probably the last person with the photo thing because I don't do selfies. <laughs> it's not <laughs> it's not something I do. And I use my camera a lot for scanning. Mm. So if it, uh, there are some wonderful scanning apps out there that between Scannable and Adobe Scan that really can make documents and the things you need to preserve because I, I'm a genealogist and do a lot of that. I use it for that. I, I'm not into taking, I take some pictures, but it's not, camera is not the first thing I'm going to look at in buying a phone. That's I actually use it as a phone. I make <laughs> phone calls. I get mad at millennials <laughs> who won't take my phone calls because um, <laughs> I just don't understand that. But I think there are, all I know is when you're looking at anything nowadays, we were watching golf this past weekend. Yeah, I know my husband watches golf. Um, but everyone, all you could see as they're watching the the golfer take the swing is everybody's camera is up in the air. Everybody's phone is up in the air taking a picture. People obviously want the best type of camera for their money, and they're not buying a separate item anymore. So little pocket cameras are going away. So these phones have to be top notch. And I think Apple for a long time was very good at it. Now I hear Pixel is probably giving it a run for its money. Oh, and it, well, when, when the Pixel 1 came out again, almost three years ago, it was rated by a number of sites as the best phone on the market at that point. And it's been kind of a back and forth, back and forth between the two of them or best camera, you know, um, but, you know, and the funny part is I was just thinking about this. This is another one of these cases where for the vast majority of us, we probably really couldn't tell the difference between an iPhone and, an, and, and a top of the line Android picture. Well, that's that's a key point then is you at the lower and middle end, the cameras I, I gather are not as good. Well, they're, they're older. They're generally older camera technologies. That doesn't mean they're bad. They're just not as good. You know, <laughs> and what's good? I mean, do you do you want to see every hair or freckle on the kid's face, or do you want you know a compositional? You know, has to be all the right colors. You do so much with filters now. I, I want to catch a hummingbird in flight and see every flap of the wings. Well, I think in general, what most people want is a is a camera that can take a good photo in most situations. So, uh, in in less than ideal lighting and in like I, I have had, I remember photo, you know, camera photos where you know it's it's a, there's a bright spot and it blows out everything and you can't really see anything or it creates obvious color banding. That's in the bad old days of of the, yeah. of the phones <laughs> uh, where you know you didn't see this obvious band of color across and it just makes a terrible photo now. Like I look back at these photos, I'm like, mm, 
I mean, they're not great. Although, again, when I was a kid, we had Polaroids from when I was a kid. That are, right, uh, right. And now there's an app for everything that will fix. There's apps that will fix those photos, no matter what camera you take them on. And then there are apps that will put those things in. <laughs> oh, yes. Because you want to be artistic or you want to be old fashioned. Don't get me started on people who want, want filters to intentionally make their photos look awful. <laughs> so from my point of view, as someone who really does enjoy taking photos and I have a I have a as some people call it a big boy camera, but I also take a lot of photos with my my iPhone. Uh, I find that the iPhone's marriage of both software and hardware, Apple's control of the software and the hardware gives it a slight advantage uh, in in the situation. Whereas with Google, with the Pixel particularly, they they have control of the software and the hardware, whereas most of the other manufacturers aren't in the same boat. Although then again, you can also throw in something like Samsung, where they make the hardware and the, and the software outside of the actual Android itself. Right, right. Uh, so it's 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 a bit of an arms race there each one has is getting new things my guess is is this in in uh, WWDC is coming up in about a week or so and i'm my guess is apple's going to if they don't announce it now they'll announce it in the fall with the new phones uh their night shot type of technology whatever that is whatever they call it but as a, a copy of google's night vision or night night vision but uh, low light photography and the new phone will probably have a nice wide angle lens and all that sort of stuff like the Googles have. It's it's a it's an arms race back and forth to see who can who can get the technology. Yeah, rumor is that there's now going to be three lenses on the camera. <laughs> like yeah. how trinitarian is that? Well, eventually all phones will have well, the back will be all lenses, just like yes. 15, 25 lenses. Except for like two spots where you can hold it, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. So we've talked about camera, which which we, we, we I think it's a tie. Let's call that one a tie. Uh, now, I want to talk about a little bit about something I call it the device ecosystem, which is other computing devices that it works with. So uh, on the I, Apple side, we have, you know, iPads and we have Macs and we have Apple TV and stuff like that. Joanne, what from your point of view, how does how does it compare? What is what is the advantage here for Apple? The phone sucked me in to the Apple system. <laughs> that and that's the best way I can say it because the phone got me thinking about the computer which came next. So I ended up getting an iMac from the phone. Then when the iPads came out, I got an iPad and when they developed handoff which allows you to start something on one device and move to the next and then go move to the next that that keeps me here now because I can start on one thing, move to another. If my eyes are, you know, get bluggy with the phone, I go to the iPad. I You can't beat that with a stick. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading a web page on my phone and then I walk over to my Mac and I look at the dock and there's a little icon there for the iPhone Safari, the web page. I just click on it and that comes up right there where I was. And, and I mean, that, that sort of thing is, that's, it's, a, it's a priceless experience. Uh, or, or things like um, the sharing of the Wi-Fi password. Now, does Android do that, Father Corey, the, where you could share an iPhone, I mean, a Wi-Fi password? Yeah, you can share Wi-Fi passwords between Android phones. Matter of fact, um, when you log into your Google account, it can just suck them right down. 
So I've had uh, this experience with the, the, what Apple has done is, is if I'm in a room, if I'm at a location with a particular Wi-Fi router uh, and I have the password, I will sometimes get a notice saying, hey, there's someone else in this room that's so-and-so, and, -so, and it, will, it, it will identify them, I think, uh, somehow, wants the Wi-Fi password, do you want to share it with them? And so not even across my own account, but to other iPhone users who are in proximity, that's a, I mean, that's a really kind of a nice deal. I've 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 actually been in meetings where I notice like I get the notification that someone else at the meeting needs the Wi-Fi and I just give it to them and they and they don't know why they've suddenly gotten online, but it just happens. Oh, and the other thing is, is AirDrop, where you can share things with other iPhone users, files, whatever. I, I love that. Or I computers love to do that. or iPads. So I, I, I think that's huge. Father Corey, how about on the, the, the Android side, the, the Android device ecosystem? No, I just kind of laugh, though. You talk about, like, AirDrop and the Wi-Fi sharing. Boy, that doesn't sound very secure to me. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, it's, there, a, there, it's there, there was, the garden. There was an issue, <laughs> but there was an issue a couple of years ago, or not even that long ago, where somebody was on a plane and they were sharing pornography via AirDrop. Right. Oops. Well. You, you airdrop. You I have, have my to airdrop, it, but still. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I want to point out for people who, if they if they want to um, set this up, is you can set up airdrop to on, to only be from people who are in your contacts. So you should set that up that way. Don't walk around in public with your phone set to anybody can airdrop to me because exactly. you, you don't want to have that stuff pop up. But that being said, you know Google's approach has not been all devices because because basically. Other than Chromebooks, you know, the Pixel devices and the Chromebooks, especially the Pixel books, are the only hardware that Google makes. Everything else they make is software. Right. There's a Slate, isn't there? There's a Google Slate tablet. Yeah. I I'm not sure how many people actually have one of those, but th there I is think a that, That's along the lines of the Chromebook, though, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's a touchscreen. It's, it's a big but, phone. So. So a lot of what Google focuses on is more like the services where, of course, you've got Google Drive. You can store all your files and pull them up on your phone and your desktop and your laptop and everywhere. Uh, you got Chromecast. So I can sit down. You know, my TV downstairs isn't even a Google device. It's a it's a Vizio, but it's got Chromecast built in. So I could just grab my phone. Oh, I want to watch this Doctor Who. Boom, there it goes. You know, I want to I want to do this. Boom, there it is. You know, again, you know, with my Chrome, my Chromebook here, I can sit here and any file I've got saved on here, I can pull up on my phone. I can create a phone, you know, uh, that kind of stuff because it's all through the cloud. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. That's more the focus Google's been doing. And so you can do the as long as I'm using, you know, Google Chrome on my desktop and using the Chrome browser on my phone, then I can do the same thing where I can go to history and oh, yeah, there's where I was at. And it pulls up. I and I will I will grant you that that's very close in that sense. But I have to give the advantage in this one to Apple. <laughs> no, that yes. one is very much Apple's Apple's forte there, and that's because they're making more hardware than just phone and Chromebooks. They're making everything that you want. So let's talk about that cloud ecosystem. And this is a this is another one where so you know if you're in the if you Google's Google's bread and butter is that cloud. You got the Gmail. You've got Google Drive. You've got the Docs and and all of that stuff. And then Google Photos. And let's be honest, YouTube is a big thing. Well, well actually, I'll go to Joanne with this because I just made your case, Father Corey. So, yeah, I'll come back <laughs> to you in a second. Thanks, I'll, Dom. I'll come back to you in a second. So, Joanne, what does Apple have? What does it offer? How does iCloud compare from your point of view? You know, everybody knocks iCloud. 
and I have had very little difficulty with it. Maybe it's because of the files I keep there, but I've had more problems with OneDrive for some because no. that's the other yeah, one Microsoft. I use. Microsoft. Um, no, <laughs> Microsoft. Um, that because I've had to use that for work. But my iCloud Drive, I used to look. I used to have Mobile Me. And people complained about that, oh, too. Yeah. Yes. And I but I always... <laughs> you didn't like it, did no, you? No, iDisc was, was really bad, but yeah. Right, but I, I, I like the fact that you can share, you know, put stuff up there and share it with your family. So it's that Kevin and I can share, you know, files, photos. We can do that through the iCloud. Um, do I put everything there? No, because I tend to put lots of things in lots of places just because I'm crazy. But I have not had the problems that other people have had. So some people say, oh, Apple doesn't know how to do this yet. I think they're getting better at it. They've certainly in improved some people's a lot. Minds. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been with them, like I said, since Mobile Me. So to me, it's always been a, a, an easy way because it, it, because it just does it. The old, just do it. One of the things I really like about the iCloud ecosystem is the fact that things like contacts and calendar are built in. But they have a way to, to apps can use the same information. So I use Fantastical as my calendar on on both my iPhone and on my Mac, uh, which accesses the same calendar and, and can also access the Google Calendar, by the way. Uh, but is is it, but has features that really I really like. Same thing with AirMail. Again, it can access any any email. Email is email in in most cases. Uh, except when it isn't, but but that's a whole that's that's history now. So let's not get into that. True, uh, the whole Gmail debacle with uh, Mail app. Uh, but but th- so I like the fact that uh, Apple makes its iCloud available for other systems to you know other apps to plug into. I do like that. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, Photos on uh, iOS and on Mac is good. Uh, it has features that the Google Photos doesn't. But Google, Google's again it because it has the machine learning in the cloud, and because its bread and butter is search, it there are things that it does that are just better. And one of the things it does better is sharing oh, photos. Yes. Uh, that's that's my bug, bugaboo with the iCloud is the the one feature that Apple cannot figure out why they haven't done it is a family photo library, which is one library for me and my wife, Melanie and I. I have the I have this weird. Uh, a system to get her photos from her iCloud into my iPhoto so that we have one library with all the photos in one place. Just drives me crazy. But that's, that's a, I say a disadvantage on the iPhone side, but everything else in the the iPhone iCloud, I'm, I'm happy with. Father Corey, how about with you at the, the Google cloud? Well, for me, the biggest thing for me with, with Google cloud, and I know I've, I've before when I've been on, on this particular podcast, especially, you know, is, Cross-platform is important to me. If I'm sitting down at a Windows machine, a Mac machine, a Chromebook, my iOS device, because I've got an iPad, I have an an iOS device, uh, my Android, I can pull up Google on all of it. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you try to pull up your iCloud on a Windows machine. Well, you can. It just doesn't have the same the same ease that it exactly. does. Right. And Google has has really pioneered that where. It doesn't, again, you want your photos on your Chromebook or your Windows box? No problem. You want to get to your drive? No problem. You want to get to your email? No problem. It's all just 
it's all there and they've got you know i've got the the ios or the uh the the google drive syncer on my imac here and or my macbook pro and i load a file on there and slurp i can pull it up on my phone it's not a big deal and doesn't matter what device i'm using it's there and that's the thing that google has really focused on that's where you talk about yeah they don't have the device interaction but you can get to your stuff everywhere without any difficulty i will say that you know i am a dyed in the wool apple guy going back 40 odd years or more but my email is through google my uh photos i i my photos are primarily iphoto or photo apple photos uh but i still use google photo for a lot i mean i i use a lot of google services uh, sqpn its infrastructure runs on Google Docs. I mean, we have a Google Doc open that we're doing this from. So Google has a lot to, in the cloud. I think I think the edge at this at the moment has to go to Google for the cloud ecosystem. Certainly, as does the next one. This is clear. No one's going to do this. This isn't even the edge. This is the one showed up and the other didn't. And this is <laughs> this is voice assistant, Google Assistant versus Siri. And I I, I would be the first to admit. Siri is it has failed its promise. It is no, uh, Apple is so far behind on the the voice assistant. It's not even funny. Uh, it's I, I use uh, uh, Alexa all day long. Uh, long I that's how I control my home from Alexa, even though I have an iPhone on my in my pocket uh, constantly because it's just it doesn't work as well. Uh, so, Father Corey, how do you use Google Assistant for for yourself? I mean, some examples of ways it helps you with your phone. Well, I mean, obviously, there's the, the, the real basic one of, you know, navigate me from here to here. You know, I want to drive to this place. Get me there. Um, I do. I'm starting to do some of the smart home stuff where I've got a couple some lights, you know, so I can do the old, you know, turn on the bedroom light, turn on the living room light. Um, of course, music. So I not just do I use Android. I also have now for Google home devices. And so I could be sitting in the kitchen of while I'm doing dishes, I turn on some classic rock and, you know, listen to music, you know? So I use Google assistant for a lot of just those real basic things. I don't do heavily, but I mean, there's also, of course the, you know, everybody does it. Hey, do this math problem for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is, you know, what is, you know, Oh, here's a simple one, you know, like what is the uh, altitude of, Pikes Peak or my hometown or whatever, you know, in general information, you know, there's so much that you can find out without even having to touch the phone. Yeah. Joanne, <laughs> Joanne, I mean, it's, it's not even a yeah. battle in this one. It's just a sad trombone for Siri. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I ask her, please give me the directions to St. Mary's Rectory and I get St. from Maronite Church. No, where did you get that from? <laughs> exactly. You know, no. it's, it's at the point actually where I unlock my phone and go to the Google Assistant app on my iPhone to ask it questions. I mean, that's just it's. I've 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 given up on Siri being actually able to be useful until something vastly improves. But this is some uh, some place where Apple has sacrificed functionality for the sake of privacy, and because they're trying to do it all on the phone, and it's just not capable of that yet. So um, I'll give this one very clearly to Android. So let's look at uh, this. My next one might be also be a bit of an uh, Android win is the customizability of the experience on the phone. That's what I mean. Like, so what it looks like to use not the hardware, but the software, the the screen on the screen. 
So, Father Corey, how, what is your experience with custom? Do you do you bother with customizing your experience? See, I haven't, but there's a lot that can be done. You know, first of all, it's a lot easier to usually a lot easier to unlock or jailbreak is the term they use on in iOS the device so that you can root the device. You can do really in-depth stuff on it. So you can load all new launchers. You don't have to use the actual launcher that Google produces. Um, you can, you know, all you can actually all load all new versions of Android on many phones, you know, cause there's a, one of the issues of course is, you know, eventually you do end up with an end of life as far as updates are concerned, but there's a, an aftermarket, community out there that can do all kinds of uh, aftermarket versions of Android because Android's open source. The base Android is open source. And again, you don't get all the bells and whistles, but it's, you can still keep updating your phone. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is like the launchers, you know, you've got, and of course, backgrounds and widgets on the desktop and what, what icons are on your desktop and what icons are just in your regular launcher. And I mean, it's, it's it there's a lot a lot there you can do that iOS can't is there a disadvantage to having all that customizability well we've talked about you know what happens if you have a Samsung phone versus an LG phone versus a Pixel because Samsung especially is notorious for putting their own launcher on that it's not is very different from basic Android so if you stick with it, you know, Samsung, it's okay, and you know yeah. in the future you're not going to get weirded out by some by something being different. Now, Joanne, is there an advantage? The iPhone is not as customizable like that, but is there an advantage to that to having an experience that doesn't that can't be changed so much? Well, I think I've learned because I've had an iPhone for so long that if the the apps that I want and I use all the time are on my first screen. So I never have to go looking for them. I also use folders a lot so that I can put, you know, all my navigations are in one folder. All my work is in one folder. Um, when the widgets came along, I think a couple of iOSs ago, yeah, I've got them there. But I very, the only thing I look at in the morning is the weather. And that's about it. So for me, it's, it's not that I don't want to. I'd either have to be 20 years younger with with a bit more brain power or 10 years older in retirement so I could play with it to to want an android to be able to find out how those things work cuz I'm naturally inquisitive but for me I like the fact that I don't have too much of a choice and what I do have in choices I use pretty responsibly plus I still love the the um and I'm going to say it wrong the the touch the force um, touch force touch yeah. I use that a lot and that's why I that's why I don't want to leave my my eight my eight plus because the next one I'd go to is a ten R and it doesn't have the touch. The ten R doesn't have the force touch. I didn't realize that. No, oh, okay. and that's why about three months ago I said, "Nah, I'm gonna stay with what I got." But the XS has the force touch still, doesn't it? They do for all that amount of money I don't want to spend. <laughs> right, exactly. right, right. But it's it's interesting. <laughs> I wonder if. I've heard rumors that Apple is considering getting rid of it, but uh, because people quote, quote unquote, don't use it. I, but like you, I use it all the use time. It all the time. Yeah. It's so much easier to get to things. But as far as for me, customizability, I, 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 my temptation would be to play with it more than I should maybe, but I do like the idea of being able to put some, I would like to replace some of those app icons on my home screen with widgets rather than have a dedicated widget screen 
because because it's a dedicated widget screen if if it's 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 out of sight out of mind i don't use it as much as i i would want to i wish it were i could put them on the screen so there's that but i think apple might be moving a little bit in that direction with things like shortcuts and uh letting you put shortcut icons so you can program some customizability in but it you know it, it's this well it's, it's nice though cuz i just pull up my phone here and i've got three widgets and a bunch of folders and yeah you know, so i've got my calendar right here at a glance i've got my to-do list right here at a glance i've got you know date and temperature weather outside all just right on my front screen i don't have to swipe anywhere it's just right there and you don't have to open an app to see it it's just right there nope, it's just this. right there and that's that to me is a huge advantage because yeah i don't i forget that my ipad has widgets yeah. And I've set them up. I've just forgot about it because you have to swipe over. You can't just, it's not right there on your first screen. And that's a huge advantage to me. And especially on something like we're talking about really kind of phones right now, but with an iPad with so much screen real estate, I would gladly sacrifice some of those icons on my home screen for widgets that give me information. So I I, I would, would agree with you. Yeah. So I, I, I I'm hoping Apple takes a page from uh, Android on that. So then there's uh, storage and expandability. I, I mean, as far as storage goes, that's kind of a wash, right? I mean, they all go, have, carry a half a gig internally, right? I mean, that's... Up to, yeah. Up, that's what I mean, up to a half a gig. And, you know, the, at least Apple's got rid of the 16 gig iPhones. They started at 32 in the iPhone 7, but, but the higher end phones are all at least 64, I think. And they go up to 512... There might even be a one terabyte model. Yeah, the the Pixel the Pixel three A the the three A that's coming out the low end Pixel is uh, sixty four gigs of storage. You know, so that's and that again, unless you're buying a hundred dollar Huawei or something like that, that's your low end for Android is sixty four. You know, so they're comparable the the two the yeah. two sides. But but does Android has a little advantage in the expandability in some models Occasionally. right again it depends on the phone um there are still a lot of android phones that have micro sd card slots where you can throw in a, you know a half a half a terabyte micro sd or whatever is you know the high end is available and have that extra storage that is still an option um and of course then you've got i mean this is again where cloud plays into it a lot too because you know one thing we didn't talk about is like Apple, Google does have music, their own music device or music cloud storage as well, you know, so and Apple's got that same issue where you can just stream all your music and never use your on phone storage. And and again, that's a wash between the two of them. But but yeah, you, you do have the uh, like I said, some phones, some Android phones, although they are getting more and more rare, do have the uh, micro SD cards. Okay, so storage expandability probably is a is a wash is a, is equal on that yeah, one. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, because I I mean on my phone I have a sixty four gig, and I only I've only used half of it. Now on my iPad I've used more because that's my workhorse. So it depends on how you use a phone. When I had a sixty four gig iPhone, I was always getting close to. I I kept having to take things off, but. I I went to the 256 was the next level up and I'm I'm less than half of that. I'm I'm not even using half of that. So uh yeah, you're right. I mean at this point this base model for most people is probably fine, but the next level up is is definitely plenty for most people. And unless you're 
unless you're like, say, our friend Father Roderick, who's using his phone to take video for a TV show in which those files are massive. So, yeah, maybe you want to have uh, all of that storage. But frankly, most people don't need it for, for most things. So so that's it. That's a wash. But now so we've covered a lot of the features, the, the stuff that you put on a, a comparison chart. But what about in, some intangibles? What what is true of the of the of your preferred platform that isn't summed up in a feature list? Father Corey, I'll let you go first. What, what is true about Android that is good <laughs> that that doesn't that isn't just a you know come out of a, a, a list of features that you could you would to someone who's trying to figure out which phone to get? You know, I honestly I just I go back to the openness of Android that. If you're not happy with this manufacturer of Android, you can go to a different manufacturer. If you like these features, you can get a phone with those features. If you don't want certain things, you can get a phone without it. You know, I just, for me, it's the biggest thing with Android is if Google decided tomorrow they were going to stop producing Android, someone else could pick it up. If I, if Apple decided tomorrow iOS was dead, guess what? iOS is dead. You know, and so for me, uh, that's that's something that people don't think about. But just again, just the fact that I've gone through three different manufacturers. I had my first uh, phone was a Motorola and then I had an LG and now I've got the Google Pixel. I'll probably stick with Google just because I like the pixels, but it didn't matter which phone I picked up. It was Android and my files transferred over and my settings transferred over and my data was there. It was boom, boom, boom. Right down the line. Joanne, what about you? What What are the intangibles to being an iPhone user? Well, I think it's the, it just works. I think it's easier to manipulate um, to what you want it to do. Um, and I think for a lot of older people, and I have to keep putting myself in that category, um, <laughs> that's what they're looking for. They're afraid of things that might get out of control. Like I said, I'm inquisitive, so I would love to, get a hold of an Android and, you know, figure it out. But there's a lot of people who don't. They just want a smartphone to text, pick up their mail, take pictures. And even though it can be more expensive, Apple is quality. You're going to know that that they, they back you up. They believe me, I've had more phones traded out for the strangest of things. They do back their product. They're happy to sit with you at the stores and you know, help you learn how to use it. So I think they've got a lot of customer service. The store is one of those intangible advantages, uh, or it's mm -hmm. really a tangible advantage, but uh, there aren't Google, there are Google stores out there, but nowhere near as many as Apple stores where. Well, and I, of course, I live in a place where there is no Apple stores anyways, <laughs> right. so. No, right. Yeah, but, but if you walk into a carrier, they're going to, they're more concerned about selling you their, pro their, their product, which is their phone lines and their, and their different, tiers of service, they don't know the phones that well. Some of them really don't. And they'll sell you something that you really don't want. I always go to Apple. I tell people, go to Apple. They'll explain the phone to you. If it's not what you're looking for, then fine. So I think that's the biggest intangible. That's a good point. You know, one of the things we, we, we talked about before we got started, and, and it's, I wanted to bring up at this point, which is, you know, we've talked about features and cost and those sorts of things. Uh, but Sometimes the phone for you, especially if you're not a super technical person, is it's the same advice I give to people when they're trying to decide whether I should get a Mac or a Windows. 
buy the one that's the same as the person who's going to help you with it on a Saturday night when you're having trouble, you know, late Saturday night when the store's closed. Uh, you know, it's if your if your technical friend, daughter, son, you know, husband, whatever is is an iPhone user, then get the same phone. If they're a Android user, then get the same phone. Help them get get them to help you pick it out. Even that's my advice. If I had a if I had ten dollars for every one of my friends who texted me with a Joanne, I need help with this. You know, in the middle of the day, it, most of my friends have iPhones. The few that have Android know after about two or three tries, I can't help you <laughs> right. because I don't know. My elderly mother had an Android phone that my sister bought for for several years. Uh, that uh, she would constantly ask me for help, and I couldn't help her. Uh, and so finally, when the time was to replace it. I got her an iPhone and now, you know, when she has trouble, I can help her. I can fix it. I can, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can figure it out for her. Uh, so that's a big difference. Um, and then the, the other thing is just um, I think when it comes down to it, if you're going to I think and Father, you could correct me if I'm wrong. If, if you're going to get an Android phone, get a name brand one. Yes. Get, get one that's well reviewed and probably, you know, one of the big names like Google or Samsung or LG. Right. Yeah. I mean, th those are those right now are and those are the big three right now that and I would lean towards if, if someone was going to get uh, ask me what Android phone should I get? I would say get a Pixel, whether it is the three or the three A or the four when it comes out here in October or whenever it is, or go for like the Galaxy Samsung Galaxy line. Either or you you will not go wrong with those phones because they are top of the line or relatively close phones. Yes, again, you can go get a hundred dollar Huawei. Are you gonna be happy with it? Probably not. It'll do what you want, but it, you won't be happy with it. Especially since to... the, the since the Chinese government will know everything you're doing. Exactly. <laughs> and I use Huawei as an example because LG has low end phones, Samsungs have low end phones, so I mean, it, it, they're not the only ones out there. But definitely, you know, it, it's worth. It's just like iPhone. It's worth spending the money for the quality. So, Joanne, did, is there a, if someone came to you and said, I'm looking for an iPhone, I think you kind of mentioned, look at those, the iPhone 7 or 8, right? It's, that's the where you would generally send a new person? If you're looking, for, if you're coming from um, a, an earlier iPhone that's smaller, I'd say a 7. If you're really one of those people that is looking at phones right now and, and just, just between the two, Apple and Android, I would actually look at the 10R. It's a solid, modern phone, and it will do everything that you need for the next three and a half years, at least. That's a, actually a really good point, by the way, is we used to replace our phones every two years because the contract would be up. Now contracts work differently. And these phones are lasting a lot longer than they used to. They are lasting. People are holding on to their phones three and four years. My husband has a 6S plus still <laughs> oh, and he will not give it up my wife's on an eight because she destroyed her old phone it's just the way it yeah. was <laughs> well it's you know if they, they work because you know I, I keep emphasizing this i'm on the original pixel which is going to be a three-year-old phone and i'm reasonably happy with it yeah it's starting to slow down yeah the battery's not working as well as it should but it's still doing what i need why do i want to spend another thousand dollars on a phone if anything, it'll eventually be the battery that will cause you to replace your phone these days. Which, by the way, will lead to my pick. So. <laughs> okay. ah. Well, with that, well, well I, I'll kind of sum up. 
when we well we said at the beginning still holds, which is there is so much that the, the differences between these phones, whether to choose one or the other, are so fine. The, both kinds of ecosystem, I, iPhone versus Android, are they're so close together that really it's there are very small differences, and it will be little things that push you one way or the other: a better deal, price, uh, whether your you, your your techie friend has iPhone or Android, those sorts of things. But hopefully this discussion has helped you kind of clarify where you stand. And we would love, and I know we will hear from listeners who have things that we've missed. And so we'll, I'll give you the uh, email and, and contact information at the end of the, of the, the, the show, but we will, we, we, I do expect to hear from you and I would love to hear from you so we can share the, what we might've missed in the future and arguments we could have made better. Frankly, I'm sure, I'm sure we could have. So, uh, so let's, let's hear from you on that. But let's go to the picks of the week. And, and since you mentioned it, Father Corey, why don't you uh, give your pick of the week first? Sure. Well, of course, you want know, these devices, these phones, these laptops, all these things that we have, they're going to break. The battery is going to wear out. Um, in my case, I happen to be sitting here at my MacBook Pro that I do the podcasting off of. And boy, the keyboard was bulging pretty ugly. <laughs> and sure oh, no. enough, the battery had gone bad and was bulging and of course that with lithium-ion batteries that's danger will robinson get that out yes. of there now thanks to ifixit.com awesome. if you haven't checked them out fantastic site they not just do they have the parts and the tools to fix they've got the step-by-step -step guides on how to fix wonderful step-by-step guides i mean those yeah, guys I mean, literally awesome. pull this screw out now pull <laughs> this screw out then pull these screw. i mean it's literally that level of detail you know, they tell you what parts you need, what tools you need, how long it should take you, you know, and, you know, I've got a 2015 MacBook Pro, early 2015 MacBook Pro, you know, the battery's glued in. So they had the, the acetone adhesive remover and all that stuff in there and showed you exactly how to do it and put the card here and let it sit for a couple of minutes. And then you do this and it made it really easy. And this was not an easy repair and you can do it. I know they've got iPhone repair, uh, they've got Android phone repair guides, they've got cameras, scanners, printers, you name it. I think even some household appliance uh, repair guides and stuff. Anything that's, anything that's electronic, likely they're going to have something. Um, again, of course, you know, the more popular the device is, like, say, you know, a, a, a high-end laptop, a high-end smartphone, the more ch likelihood they're going to have a repair for it. And then again, they've got kits that you can order. You know, I was able to order the battery replacement kit for my MacBook Pro, and it had all the tools. It had the adhesive remover. It had the new battery. And then I just went on my, used my iPad and pulled up their instructions off their website and boom, 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 right down the line. They have, they have saved me lots of money over the years. I've paid, you know, I've bought, and bought things from them, but they've saved me more money than I've spent over the years in letting me do my own repairs. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's and again, as I you know, as I hinted to earlier, I live in a place that does not have an Apple store. And I can guarantee you that if I had taken my laptop to an Apple store, it would have been a lot more than a hundred dollars that it cost me to order the kit battery kit from iFixit. Yeah, two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> two hundred from I just had my battery replaced, so it's two hundred. You know, so it, it saved me money, it saved me time. I was able to get, you know, I was able to get the laptop back up and running within a week. And it, I was gone for that week anyway, so it, it worked out well. I had a dead fan in a laptop a while ago, and it was quoted at, I think they, were, they wanted to do a logic board replacement, 
for like 500 bucks and I replaced it. I think the, the, the fan was like 80 bucks or less uh, and was able to do it. So, yes, it's if you if you're at all comfortable opening up, you know, taking the screws off the back and you should be. It's I mean, that you what you do is you look at the instructions before you decide and you on the on the site and you go, I could do that. Then you then go ahead and, and give it a shot. What, you know, what do you got to lose? You know, a, a few bucks, but you have a lot to gain. That's a great pick, by the way. I fix it as the best. Uh, Joanne, what's your pick? My pick is the perfect complement to your iPhone, which is the Apple Watch. <laughs> All right. I happen to have Series 3, the series, and you can still get Series 3. The difference between Series 3 and 4 is that 4 has the um, e, um, electrocardiogram, and it also has the fall detection. But if you're an older person, the fall detection, I think, is crucial because it will... If you do not respond to its prompting saying, are you okay? Or, you know, are you going to get up now? Um, it will call your, it'll call 911. It'll call the person whose number you have in there for emergency contact. It will call your doctor if the number's in there, whatever's in your health profile on the phone. It's the perfect match. Plus, if you get the cellular edition, because you can get either with or without, and I happen to have the cellular one, I can leave my phone at home and take the dog for a walk in my neighborhood without having to deal with my phone because I can listen to music that's on the watch. You can put music on the watch, you listen through the AirPods. Um, I just think it's the greatest accompaniment to the iPhone, and it works seamlessly. That is great. Yeah, the fall detection is a, is a good one. Uh my my i guess mentioned my mom's elderly and i've been talking with my brothers and sisters about the idea of getting my mom she's not steady on her feet so getting my mom an apple watch for that fall detection because she goes out by herself still she does runs errands and things she's, you know 80 years old uh but if she fell you know when she's out you know i, I just I would i'd hate to think of her laying there waiting for someone to help her especially if she wasn't in a public space that fall detection where it would call one of us and 911 and give the location, that would be really like, peace of mind for, for everyone. So that's a good pick. So mine is, uh, is uh, uh, basically, it's not an app or something like that. It's a web page. It's uh, imore.com has a, uh, a, a page on how to use your battery uh, health on iOS. Uh, so how to use battery health in iOS to monitor and control power throughout Actually, that, that might be, I might have the wrong link there, but there was a, a page where they talked about how to monitor your battery health on your phone. I was having a problem with my, my iPhone where I, I live it on the wireless charger overnight and I was getting up in the morning and it was discharged. And I look at the, there's a, the battery preferences in the, in your system preferences will show you when the phone has been charged, you know, charging and shows the, the battery life and the, the curve on the on the graph should go up while it's charging. And mine was going down and I was trying to figure out what it was. Eventually, I rebooted the phone and I think it, it was just messed up with something needed to be restarted and everything was OK. But I, I did want to kind of point and I'm going to find a link. I, I found the wrong link. I put the wrong link in the show notes, but uh I do want to put that link to those tips for checking on your battery and how it's doing and what's what's going on with your battery, what apps are sucking down your battery life at Facebook and, you know, what uh, 
you know what what the the health the overall health of the battery is and how much longer you might have for it. Like I said, battery will be the number one thing that causes you to upgrade your phone. I think in the future, and so keeping an eye on it is is key. So I'll, I'll get that. I'll have that link in the show notes. All right. I think from there, this has been a little bit of longer of a show than than we usually do, but uh, I think it's good. We were pretty comprehensive, I think, in our look at the iPhone versus the Android, and so. Uh, this is the sort of thing we want to do at Secrets of Tech is, is make the technology news that's important to you. You know, that, that this is help you make these sorts of decisions. But before we go, I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Technology, including this week, Dennis, Denise I, Joseph L, Louis D, Michael C, and Charles W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue to bring you the Secrets of Technology, and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them. Please do help us continue to our mission of bringing you this technology news by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. Do you have something to say about this iPhone versus Android uh, question? Uh, let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, and leave some feedback there, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com, and you'll find the relevant links from today's discussion on our show notes at sqpn.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes and Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or on YouTube, where if you do, hit the bell to make sure you get notifications. And if you can, please write a review those we don't have I don't think we have any reviews on the show uh, in the Apple podcast and iTunes uh, reviews are a huge way for other people to get to hear about our show Apple uses when, when reviews start rolling in Apple starts exposing it in uh, to more people and putting it in their what's new list and that sort of stuff and that helps grow this audience and ensures that the show continues the way it is so until next time Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the Secrets of Technology and Android. Well, thank you, Dom. And Joanne Mercier, thank you for sharing uh, with us about iPhones. Thank you very much. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>